Hi, Veg Heads. You know, we've had a bunch of internet and power outages, and some remnants of Hurricane Ida have complicated that further. So I'm going to do a stripped down podcast today. And I'm recording this kind of quickly, so there's not going to be any music, etc., because my sound guy, Charlie, has himself had to deal with some of the flooding side effects from Hurricane Ida. And I'll say that these inconveniences have certainly given me a lot more understanding, a lot more compassion for those who are severely impacted this week. You know, when there's a lot of very bad news in the media, it can seem very frivolous and very self-indulgent to do this podcast. But I guess my work is to support the people who are interested in learning more about a whole food, plant-based, or vegan lifestyle, and those who are curious about life coaching and curious about how our thoughts create our results, even when this world, which is never in our control, seems particularly out of our control. So it can seem like an unpopular opinion to keep on keeping on here, but You know, I have quite a number of unpopular opinions, as people who know me are aware. And, you know, one of the issues that people consistently bring to me as a vegan coach is how to be vegan in a world that is overwhelmingly not vegan, at least not yet. And can you have relationships with meat eaters if you're vegan can you be can you be in a restaurant that serves meat or a building that sells animal products and so i can only talk about where i land in these issues and where i land now it may change in the future because i am a practicing vegan and all All of the people I love most in this world are not. And I can decide that that's a huge problem and be unhappy about it. Or I can decide that's just the process. Because once once upon a time, I wasn't vegan either. So another one of those unpopular opinions I hold is Well, I don't have an orthodoxy test on veganism. I'm not super clear on what everyone else should do. My veganism begins and ends with my behavior. So I don't have an orthodoxy test for how my family or friends should behave or for people who do call themselves vegan but sometimes still eat salmon or oysters or even occasionally chicken wings when they're in the mood, or buy leather. And I'm not saying, so I'm really not saying that vegans who do have an orthodoxy test or do have a hard boundary about this, I'm not saying they're wrong. And I've talked about this before here on the podcast. There are people... There are vegans who have signed something called the Liberation Pledge, where they refuse to be in the presence 
of others who are consuming animal products. And that's not my work. Here, the way I do things, it's just how I choose to live my life. And I've, I've actually never personally felt that I accomplished all that much by having harsh judgments about how others should live or behave. And you know, as someone who has over 62 years changed her thoughts on a number of issues, judging humans as right or wrong on any given moment or issue or day and refusing to engage with people who are acting legally and nonviolently towards me, well, it's at its basis, I guess it's just incompatible with the kind of coaching I do and incompatible with the, with the kind of coaching that I've received and that I've benefited from. Curiosity and non-judgment, that's what my coaching is about. And it's made an enormous difference in my life. So that's currently my personal choice. And I say currently because I guess it's possible that my thinking could change in this area. But my business, Fed Your Best, my brand, it's about meeting people where they are right now on the subject of what they eat, what they buy, what they consume. And I help people limit and eliminate the consumption of animal products unapologetically. And I help vegans create their next big goal. And the way I do it is by encouraging people to veg their best, not my best. This is how I hope to make more vegans in the long run by not reducing the world, in my view, to us and them. And, and it means that sometimes people really do not like me They do not like what I do, and they do not say, well, they do not say or write words that I consider extremely loving or encouraging. (laughs) And I get why. I get why. There, There is definitely an argument to be made that there's no middle ground on this issue, that you're either a vegan or you're a hypocrite. And that's the orthodoxy of veganism that I just don't worry about too much. It's that kind of black and white thinking, the kind of polarized thinking that I just don't find very helpful. And maybe someday it makes complete sense, maybe someday, if and when we live in a world where animals are no longer tortured and killed for human entertainment and enjoyment. As a, as a digression, have you ever seen the 2017 movie Carnage by Simon Amstel, British comedian? And Simon Amstel is himself vegan. It's kind of a case in point because it's the title's Carnage, and it's a kind of mockumentary about the year 2067 in a totally vegan future. Totally vegan, where older relatives who at one time ate and used animals 
are now shameful and incomprehensible to the contemporary generation. It's a very clever movie, very funny, and it will make you think. So someday it is possible that animal consumption will simply be wrong in our culture. And my thinking, the thinking I'm sharing with you today, the thinking that's behind my mission at Veg Your Best, that thinking of meeting people where they are will be a relic of a, of a bygone, unacceptable time. But I'm here now. And what am I talking about, about orthodoxy and black and white thinking? I'm talking about our human tendency to think in extremes and in opposites. Thinking that everything's either one way or the polar opposite. Thinking that things are good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, acceptable or unacceptable, moral or immoral. Things are wonderful, things are terrible. Things are right, things are wrong. In black and white thinking, there's only ever two choices, right? You're on the wagon, you're off the wagon. You're right, the other person's wrong. And if they're right, then you must be wrong. People are either on your side or they're against you. Things are fair or they're unfair. It's a kind of thinking that's characterized by pairs of opposites. And it can show up in our tendency to even look at our own lives, our own choices, our own um, merits, our own capabilities as being one of two things, good or bad, capable, incapable. And it really shows up in a variety of contexts, certainly not just veganism. When we're looking at some kind of problem, whatever it is, we're trying to understand why someone else is behaving the way they are or what we can do about a situation in our life, and we tell ourselves, no, no, that's either the right way or the wrong way. That's the kind of thinking I'm talking about. An orthodoxy, one way. It also comes up in thought patterns like, well, I either win or lose. If she wins, I must lose. I can only do one of those two things. I can't have a career and be a mom. I sure felt that. I can't be a great wife and have a lot of personal interests. Felt that too. I think we've talked about that here. It comes up in things like, well, at work, someone has a different point of view. And so there has to be a struggle because it's different. You get your way and I lose, or I get my way and you lose. Only two options. Obviously, when we push, we do know there's some middle ground, but we tend to fall into these habits of binary thinking. And it's everywhere. And it's incredibly common in the people who come to coaching, which, of course, makes tremendous sense very often the things that we come to coaching for are those areas where we are not sensing a place for us, a solution for us, because we are visualizing our choices or our future or our options as being this or that. 
Certainly we have a culture which can be very dualist in terms of the Godhead or the adversary. Something can be virtuous or sinful, and it's part of many, many traditions in our culture. So it is not weird that our brains go in this direction. Uh, Certainly in our politics, probably always, but it feels like more now, we have very, very polarized thinking, orthodoxies, litmus tests, purity tests for whether you are a correct liberal or a correct conservative. And holy cow, I am not immune. For sure, I'm not immune. I have some very strong thoughts about politics and about civil rights and about gender rights. But I recognize the sort of human tendency to vilify people who don't see it our way. I recognize it. I recognize it in myself. And when I'm coaching, it's something we always examine. Because it's so part of our human evolution, our social evolution. Do you agree with me? Are you my people? Am I safe with you? These are primal questions. Our brain, our society, our culture has evolved to care very deeply about. And for sure we know that food and diet is an issue. People have very strong thoughts about what camp you're in. Are you keto? Are you paleo? Are you Atkins? Not just vegan or carnivore but junk food or healthy food, good or bad foods, carbs and sugars, organic or conventionally grown, genetically modified foods, fats or proteins, inflammatory foods or alkaline foods. We have so many ways our human brains have spent time making rules and judgments and then not just judging those options, but judging the humans who choose those options. I think it's true that at our core, we tend to feel safer and sometimes even special when we're part of a group of like-minded people, people who share traditions or a culture or a language or a belief system. And of course, that can easily end up with us otherizing. You know, is that really a term? Otherizing, making others the ones who don't belong in our group, who don't see it our way. And even worse than that, even worse than dividing the world into people who are on our side or not, is the way we almost inevitably start becoming blind to the shortcomings on our side while perseverating on the shortcomings of those in the opposite camp. And it becomes a shorthand, a shorthand for thinking. We're thoughtful and educated. They're brutal and blinkered. We're enlightened and healthy. They're closed-minded. They're sick. But why would we choose 
to look at the world that way. It's not like we don't know it's caused trouble in the past. And it's because somewhere in our human development, it makes us feel like we belong, lets us feel like we understand the rules. We've got the right information. We can be certain of something. We might be safe. We might be safer than in a world where everything's up for grabs and anything can be okay. And we're safer than in a world where everything being evaluated individually on its own merits is preferred. We've talked about this, right? We've talked about how our brains evolved. Avoid pain, seek pleasure, preserve energy. And that issue of preserving energy, that's because we evolved in a world full of scary things that wanted to eat us <laughs> or kill us. And some of them were our neighbors at the next, in the next valley. And if every day was one of reinventing the wheel and individually evaluating each item and there were no rules and no shared list of do's and don'ts, and no clear division between who's on my side and who's on the, the enemy's side, who's going to help me eat and who's going to try and eat me. What do I want to do today? What do I not want? It would be so overwhelming. It would just be too much. Our brains require a lot of energy to think critically. Evaluating everything individually, that would quickly use up the energy we have and honestly, we all do prefer an easy answer, right? Most of us. That's why that idea of pressing the easy button is kind of fun. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to eat. Let's make it easy. And that's what black and white thinking, polarizing thinking, that's why it's at its heart attractive to us because it's efficient. It's us or them. It's good or bad, right or wrong. And if we stick to the rule, we don't have to consider those other perspective, those other perspectives or ideas outside of what seems obvious to us right away. Plus, and extra problem, the human brain really hates to be wrong. Hates it. Hates it. And we will start to dig in very quickly when we're feeling under attack that our, or that our idea, our culture, our decision-making might need to be reevaluated. And I've seen that in myself. Of course, you, you would never be like that, but it's happened to me. <laughs> it's happened when you start, have you ever been in a situation where you kind of go, I, I'm going to stop learning anything new on this subject because I just don't want to experience the cognitive dissonance of having to process information that doesn't support what I prefer to believe. <laughs> is that a complicated way of saying it? There is sometimes when I'm just like, you know what? That's my story. I'm sticking with it for now. So I am a vegan life coach. I help people who want to limit or eliminate the consumption of animal products for their reasons. 
for their reasons, not for my reasons. And as much as I like being part of the whole food, plant-based, and vegan communities, I sometimes don't see it the same way as others in that community. And that's not because I'm right. They might actually be right. They might be completely right. They might be on the right side of history. They probably are. But that's not my work. It's not my mission. It's not what I do. I am currently unwilling to make how we eat and the products that we consume be the litmus test for right and wrong. I'm unwilling to make those actions be good and bad in my brain, in my work or in my life. The people I love most on this planet do not make the same choices I do. And I do not make that a problem for me. And you, you can make it a problem for you if you wish, and I would support you in that. But for me, the idea of a purity test, a litmus test, a checklist of how others around me live, you know, it's just not currently compatible with how I want to live and show up. And you know, if there's one thing I have absolutely learned by opting out of the industrial agricultural economy, it's that when I was eating animals, there were so many things I could not see. There were so many things I just didn't think were possible. And, and that doesn't make me enlightened now. It makes me humble. It makes me wonder, what else don't I see? What else is there I need to learn? How else can I live that just seems, well, from my current point of view, impossible or weird or too difficult? Who else could I be? In coaching, I learned that there are no rules and there is no judgment. You can have your own rules and you can have your own judgments, but there is no international cosmic rule. There is no one way to do this life. And the rules and judgments that most of us point to as a problem, the ones you and I choose to have or keep or remain blind to, those are what we can opt out of. We blame so much of what we don't do, what we don't have, what we don't create on a bunch of rules and judgments that don't actually exist. So some people will tell you that there is only one way to be vegan or only one way to eat whole food, plant-based. And, you know, I may even really like the way that they explain it. I may even now do what it is they say to do. But that doesn't mean that that's how you should do it. Or how you should start. Or how you should judge yourself or others. That's why I created this podcast and the Veg Your Best coaching methodology. Because I think 
there is a way to help people make enormous positive changes in the way they live, not just the way they eat, and they are not limited to ideas of right or wrong, or good or bad, or healthy or unhealthy, or moral or immoral. With Veg Your Best, I believe we always have, in every minute, the opportunity to start a conversation about any aspect of our lives, to do things we want to do, to live a way that we aspire to, to create things we're excited about without a bunch of unhelpful rules that we've just incorporated that keep us thinking we're doing it wrong, that we're bad at it, that we won't be good at it, that we're going to be judged or alone or feel uncertain about what side we're on. So that is my unpopular vegan opinion. Because I don't speak for vegans. And by the way, no one does. There's no international vegan governing body or vegan policing unit. You get to do this your way. And if you or someone you know would like the support of a coach, I would like to be that coach, either through this weekly podcast and through my Instagram where I show up every day, or on a Zoom call where we can discuss your specific goals, even if you think they might be unpopular. My links and email are in the show notes. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So, until next week, make it easy and veg your best.